So Michelle, we all know you have the best tips, but Ooh. look, you can't possibly be everywhere to help everyone. That's where an authorized Disney vacation planner can be a lifesaver. And luckily for you, we just happen to know the best. That's Nate, of course, from Main Street and more travel. Oh yeah, Nate is the best. And with things changing at the parks, resorts, and of course the high seas all the time, it's so hard to keep up even for me. Well, that's not true. Yeah, but Nate is always right on top of every move Disney makes so he can help you have the best vacation ever. Oh, for sure. If you're looking to visit Walt Disney World, Disneyland, sail the seas on Disney Cruise Line, or even explore anywhere in the world beyond Disney, our friend Nate from Main Street and More Travel can help make your vacation dreams come true. No question, sweetie. And if you've listened to our show for any time at all, you know we're big fans of high-end experiences. And that's just what you get when you work with Nate. He'll give you concierge-level vacation planning services, but at no additional cost to you or your family. Heck, you may even save money if discounts become available because Nate is always looking to make sure you get the best deal possible. And did we mention all of this comes at no extra cost to you? That's because it's Disney that pays Nate for all that top-notch service he provides so you don't have to. So if you're looking for the best person to plan your magical vacation, just go to DizTripsAndMore.com, fill out the form on the website to get the process rolling on your next fabulous trip with Nate. And be sure to tell him Tom and Michelle sent you. Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, gorgeous, very intelligent, super hardworking, changing up the main topic of the week, <laughs> wife and co-host Michelle. Thank you, sweetie. Hi, everybody. We have changed up our main topic of the week. For those of you who got the newsletter, you may have already found that out, but we'll be telling you what our different topic of the week is here momentarily. And Thank why. And why. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are recording this episode on Saturday, April 15th, 2023, and the episode is dropping on Sunday, April 16th. 2023. I'm recording on the 16th because eh, it just is easier time to get this thing out. Mm -hmm. I'm working today. So um, it had to get that done and then we could get the re episode recorded and get it out to you on a timely manner on Sunday. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your support. As always, Michelle always gives the best support. <laughs> And thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. Have the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we are on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast, or you can just do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast, hit subscribe, and you'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, you did great sharing all the ways that we can be contacted and followed and everything. Good job, sweetie. Thanks. We, we like love I, interacting with everybody. It's like I do that twice a week, I twice know. a day, every week. I know. And you do it spectacularly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You do a great job of it. Thank you. See, I told you Michelle has the best support. <laughs> Uh, speaking of contacting us through the Gmail account, we had somebody contact us about our topic from last week, which was, of course, Disney mm -hmm. Park Easter eggs. You know, those little hidden gems right. that you find throughout the attractions in the parks. And this one came from our good friend Charles from the Conversations podcast. Mm -hmm. You may have heard their podcast. Probably not. because They don't really Aww. get many listeners. <laughs> I'm just not kidding. True, I'm just true. kidding. They have a great show. <laughs> they do. And hopefully you've listened to them. Uh, and they've they, been on our podcast. And they've been on our podcast several times. And we've been on theirs. Yes. So. And we hope to have them on again soon. Yes. And we hope that maybe they'll invite us back sometime soon. But after that comment, I not. know. Maybe I think not. I'm going to have to do some damage control. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Charles said, hello, Tom and Michelle. An Easter egg I really like is in Hollywood Studios or Star Wars Park, as we call it, <laughs> are the R2-D2 and C-3PO imprints in the ground. According to a cast member or Batuan, uh, these imprints are made by the actual droids used in the films. To find them, pass by the droid depot entrance or exit or come down the walkway from Toy Story Land. And just before you get to the first archway and near the right side, that's where the uh, cast member only entrance exit pathway is. Uh, you can look down and the imprints of R2 and Threep are right there side by side. Oh my. <laughs> wow, very good. No, it wasn't very good. <laughs> it was okay. They do much. No, it wasn't. It was okay. But you are very supportive. Again, Michelle okay. gives the best support. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that, Charles, because that is pretty cool and it's not something we had mentioned. Yes. So, And we appreciate that. Yes. Uh, again, if you have any other uh, Disney Parks Easter eggs, we'd love to hear yeah, them. Get them to us. Special ones that have special meaning to you. Obviously, um, a couple guys doing a Star Wars podcast would definitely appreciate we'd, the... We'd uh, really be looking around. And, like, see, you, you tell everybody to look up, but they're sitting there. They're too busy looking down. I apparently. know. <laughs> Well, that's okay. They see they found something. Yes, so. <laughs> perfectly. Look up, look down, look to the side, look all around. There's yes, all sorts of stuff throughout the, the Disney parks everywhere for sure. Now, before we get into this week's episode, which again, we changed topics on, we will tell you about that momentarily. <laughs> uh, we always like to like, take a look back at the week that was because, you know, we are the Disney show of positivity, the positivity podcast. We like to look at those gems, those fun things, those wonderful things that happened throughout the week. We push the negativity aside and shine a light on the bright spots with our favorite thing from this week. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's awesome, wonderful, <laughs> all things great. I already told you that. She does the best research. You may be hearing a little bit about that in just a bit. She has the best list, but she definitely has the best. My favorite thing from this week. So, Michelle, what is your favorite thing from this week? Well, my favorite thing actually has something to do with the reason why we switched out the topics. You know, we flip-flopped um, what we were going to do next week to this week. And, and now the plan is to do next week what we're going to do this week. Does that make we'll sense? We'll straighten it out in a little yes. bit here. Um, but anyways, um, my favorite thing of the week was how we were successfully able to transfer a couple things. One is our um, hotel resort reservation mm -hmm. to move it to next week or mm -hmm. actually in a few days yeah. and to move our reservation for the 
um, dessert package with, along with Happily Ever After to our trip actually in May, which is associated with my birthday. Right. Um, to that time frame. And uh, so all those reservations, uh, they were kind of last minute, but they all happened to work out for us favorably. And I think that was my one of my favorite things of the week. Yeah, it was a little tricky to move that because we were within a week. And if you uh, book, it's not like regular uh, dining reservations mm-hmm. where you can book it most of them up to just two hours before you can you can cancel up to two hours before your your uh, reservation time. Right. Uh, for the dessert party package, you need to actually uh, cancel if you plan to do that uh, seven days out. Right. So we were within that seven day window. So it was a little yeah, tricky. we were like forty eight hours away. Yeah, and... um, yeah, we made the last minute decision to pivot on this this week uh so uh but uh we talked to or michelle talked to a wonderful cast member who was able to make that switch for us and now we are set up for our trip at the beginning of next week and for the dessert party package coming up in may for michelle's birthday trip right right so yeah um there were several factors that were coming into place that made this move much more attractive to our planning and our our desire to get out to the parks and have a little bit more time in the parks too that um and with less rain hopefully yeah. <laughs> um that we were able to make that change and uh so that therefore the purpose of talking this week was supposed to be about that trip that we were going to take already and now it hasn't taken place yeah we'll get into that in a little bit here but first let's get to my favorite thing from this week since you decided to just dominate the conversation i know i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) open my mic and then man you're in for it (laughs) i totally kidding i just wanted to give her a hard time about that Uh, My favorite thing from this week was actually uh, just uh, the other night we got to hang out with your sister and Mm brother-in-law over at their place and we got to sit down and have a nice little movie night with them. We got to sit down, have a little dinner and then we watched uh, a movie that we enjoyed very much. Actually, it's a stage show that we enjoy, a musical stage show that we have enjoyed very much that has been... uh, made into a stage to screen performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, uh, the musical come from away, which we love very much. And we thought that, uh, Helen and Tom, who is your sister and brother-in-law right. would love it very much because they kind of have been in that area where this is taking right, place and they love a lot of the music that comes from that vicinity. And so we thought that they would love it and they did. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah, if you don't know what Come From Away is, it's the story of uh, during 9-11 when they had to reroute a bunch of these planes that were flying across the Atlantic. Right. And so they had to end up uh, landing in this this airport in Newfoundland, you know, with a town that had like basically 9,000 total people in yeah. there. And they added like almost doubled their population yeah, just, night, just day, with yeah. bringing all these planes in that had to land there. And they had to figure out what to do with all these people. And it's really... Uh, a heartwarming story that right, happens. Right, Funny, yeah. um, interesting. It's it's really good. If you ever get a chance to see that show when it comes around uh, to your vicinity, please do it. But you can also, if you have Apple TV, they have that stage right. to screen performance there, and it's really good as well. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think what was really special about that one, and you can really hear it sometimes with the within the audience, the excitement of it. Although. When we saw it before the pandemic, we we it was an amazing. We saw experience. it after the pandemic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the the one that's on Apple TV is when Broadway first reopened after the pandemic. Yeah, that's what's even more interesting about it is because they wanted to kind of do this for 
the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11 right. put the show on. And this ended up being, at least according to the, I haven't actually looked this up, but according mm-hmm. to the movie was the first show on Broadway to return to performing live. Right. So yeah. that so was, that's cool. that, and this was what they recorded. So even more cool. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I digress. Yes. Let's get on to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including Disneyland Paris just celebrated its 31st birthday, mm-hmm. and we received some interesting details about what's to come for Europe's Disney Resort. We'll tell you about that. We got some great news about a new fun-filled event coming to the happiest place on earth that our LGBTQ plus friends will find especially exciting. Yes. I'm pretty excited about ourselves. Yeah. I wish we were going to be out there for that. Uh, we also found out a little bit more about Tiana's Bayou Adventure, including when your last chance to ride Splash Mountain, as you currently know it is, at the Disneyland Resort. We'll be telling you all about that. And speaking of the Disneyland Resort, we now know when you'll have the chance to see the new super heroic musical that's coming <laughs> to the Disney California Adventure Park. And if that's not enough, we also have the dates for Epcot's next guest favorite festival we'll tell you about that as well lots of stuff like i said there's lots of stuff about for this week but that is later let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week Yes, for this week's main topic, we did have to pivot just a little bit, as Michelle has already talked about a little bit. Flipped and flopped. Yes. (laughs) So originally, we were going to be heading out to the Walt Disney World Resort to go do fireworks, to go see Happily Ever After, do a post-fireworks dessert party Mm -hmm. package, and go do Flower and Garden. And then we kind of looked at the... Oh, there were several factors, including the weather report, which was like, hey, maybe a little stormy. Do we want to concern ourselves when we're paying all this money for a dessert party package and be drenched? Maybe, <laughs> be drenched, you know, which is fine. We could put on, you know, a, a poncho or whatever right. and we could get through that. But also, like, is it going to be a lesser show? Because, you know, maybe Tinkerbell doesn't fly. Right. There could be thunderstorms in the area. That could be an issue right. as well. Then we threw in the fact that I only had the one day off this <laughs> week and it was like going to be kind of a rush trip anyway. We saw that we could get a resort a reservation for the next week for the uh, Monday night. When I have Monday and Tuesday off, we could have two full days there right. and we could push the we could push the dessert party package to your birthday weekend right. in May. Um, so we just decided, you know, let, let's do it this way. We might still go see Happily Ever After and everything, but let's go ahead and push that back and let's move this other topic, which is another exciting topic because, you know, Michelle always does the best <laughs> research. Uh, move that one forward in its place. So that's where we came up with where we're doing the Disney at 100 series. This time we're focusing on kind of the period in the 1970s, right, Michelle? Yeah, kind of taking uh, a leap from where we were last time. Yeah, so we've been covering this throughout the decades, throughout many different eras 
uh, within the entire 100 years of the Walt Disney Company. Michelle has been doing such a great job with this and <laughs> excited to hear about what it went on in the 70s today because let's just face it, you know, it was a tumultuous time with Walt Disney passing away mm-hmm. in the mid-late 60s. And yes, some of his concepts carried them through to a certain point. But, you know, at some point, you know, other people need to take the reins. Right. And I'm sure we're, Michelle's going to talk a lot about that. So let's go ahead and hear a lot about the 1970s within the Walt Disney Company. Our Disney at 100 series continues. Well, thank you, honey. And and hopefully um, what I'm presenting today won't sound like a history lesson. Um, it, it, interestingly, when I was starting to do the research, there wasn't a lot out there. And I was thinking... Huh, did a lot not happen or whatever? But actually there was. There just wasn't um, a lot of emphasis, I guess, on some things. But what it did bring to my mind is like Tom started talking about who was leading the company and some of the issues related to that. So um, hopefully we'll find it interesting. Uh, You know, we're going to cover like who could run the company after Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like who started as a mailroom clerk and became CEO? Was it me? It <laughs> wasn't me, me. If it was me, we wouldn't be doing the silly podcast every week. That's for sure. <laughs> well, maybe a nice little hobby there. <laughs> um, how a consulting job turned into a 40 year career that turned into a one of its kind department. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what do you do when all your animators are retiring? Ooh, interesting. I'm excited for all this because I know Michelle does great <laughs> research. I know it's going to be interesting. There's, we're going to learn some things that we didn't know before this because I do that every single time well. we do one of these segments. So, Michelle, please go ahead. Let us know all about this. Evening. All right. I'm already in my head because I don't have a lot of fun facts. So, but hopefully, hopefully. Just you be just telling us <laughs> it's all a fun fact because it's from Michelle. Which how could it be more fun? It can't. That's the answer. Oh, you're funny. You're cute. Well, let's start out with you know the successes of the decade. Um, you know, and and like what I feel the title of this episode is is a dream realized. You know, a lot of times when we hear about or hear the term the Florida Project, our minds think of Walt's large project of Epcot, and. I kind of think that's mainly because that's what Walt had to promote. That's what he had to, you know, like that's why he had the film and why he pushed this on TV and everything. He needed backing for this concept. People were already on board with the issue of, you know, like the, the theme park and hotels and things like that. But this other thing, you know, seemed a little bit more difficult to get through for approval. So that's, you know, I think why we think of it because that's really the main part we hear Walt promoting. Right. Because at that point it was just Disneyland park essentially. And, you know, people knew Disneyland. Mm -hmm. They love Disneyland. It was fantastic. And a concept of something like Disneyland for more people on the East coast. So they wouldn't have to travel quite as far to visit a theme park like that. Sounds like a great idea, but of course, Walt wanted more than just that. And so trying to sell, yes, of course, the Magic Kingdom, Disneyland, you know, a Disneyland East, essentially, easy sell. The rest of it, maybe not so much. Exactly. So, you know, um, you know, when you look at it, even if you look at what Walt wanted for Epcot, 
he wanted hotels, he wanted golf courses, water parks, retail outlet stores, mass transit. Sound all familiar? No, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I don't know where you can find that anywhere. But all of these things were realized um, through the leadership of Roy, you know, plus some others. Um, but mainly Roy was there for the opening of the Magic Kingdom and, you know, the, the hotels and golf courses uh, other things came later on, but, but he was there at the start of the, the formation of those concepts, you know, and he and the, his team were still working on how to come up with some plans that would be somewhat of an Epcot. So, um, but a fun fact that, that these elements that they were researching and, and building and doing, uh, weren't just used or interesting to the company, Disney company, uh, other companies were contacting them for these these types of services. And in fact, and I think I've mentioned this in one other episode, but um, during this decade, the Disney company was responsible for developing the people mover, the transit um, used at Houston International Airport. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the company was being approached by other countries to develop a theme park. Mm. And it was during this decade that they came up with an agreement with Japan to create the Disneyland Park in Tokyo. Now that opened in the early 1980s, but all that work to negotiate and de- develop what that park is going to be, which was very, they very much wanted uh, very what, like what was in California. Yeah, we want, we want another Disneyland. Right. They wanted another Disneyland. Almost exactly. Right. And so Imagineers, you know, their focus was to work on how to make it work in the climate that's over in Japan. But um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I do find it was very interesting that still kind of early in that development they were being asked to uh, come up with that. So, but d- let's take a look. How did they realize Walt's dream? How did they do that? How, well, on uh, when they opened Walt Disney World with two hotels, a campground, two golf courses, which was all done by October of 1971. Seems like that was fitting into his plan. A monorail system that he w- always wanted to make sure that was something that was used to actually transport people and not be an attraction. And that was already in place also at the opening where it was transporting people, whether it was from the parking lot or hotels to the Magic Kingdom. Um, the d- company for the first time got into the issue of retail and dining space with the, uh, they started it off as called the Lake Buena Vista Village in 1974, but we know it now as Disney Springs. Mm-hmm. It was um, downtown Disney for a little while and some other. Yeah, yeah. It's, ha- it's yeah. gone through several different names. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it, that was new to them. They weren't mm-hmm. doing that before in California. Um, they opened their first water park in the mm-hmm. 1970s. In fact, in 1976, River Country opened. Um, and they also were announcing that, yeah, Epcot's going to continue. Uh, but just be different than what, Mm -hmm. you know, was first heard or from Walt. Um, Oh, and the other thing that Walt wanted, he wanted a pedestrian only environment that had shops and restaurants. And let's face it, that is Epcot. That's the Epcot we know today. And so they really were true to making sure his dream was realized. Did they have to make some modifications at times? Yes. But they did still take you know, the core of what he wanted and, and brought that to life. Uh, so who took the helm in this decade? Mm. We know Roy 
Of course. Till 1971. Um, and so he had you know, five years after Walt passed away that he was in charge and made sure Walt Disney World opened. But sadly, just a few months after that opening, he passed away. And so if you are interested in hearing more about that with Roy, we did an episode on that. Did we, what did we call it? Was that the the silent visionary or something? Uh, It was something behind um, the man who helped make Walt's dreams come true or something yeah, along those right. lines. I can't, I can't remember exactly the title, but you right. can find that it's, it's not that long ago that we did that right. episode. It was, I believe last fall. Right. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if you're interested in that in Roy's, um, you know, the time that he was taking over the company and how he was, you know, um, really wanting to make sure Walt's dreams came true. Uh, listen to that episode. For but, sure. Yeah. So who would be responsible now? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, to start with, you know, um, this was so unexpected, Roy passing. Sure. I mean, he was trying to groom people because he was still planning to go back to his original idea, which was to retire. But um, Don Tatum, who was actually serving at the time as the... Um, in, within the board of directors, and he was vice president and administrative assistant to Roy. Um, he was elected as chairman of the board and CEO, and he served in that capacity for five years. And he was followed by Card Walker. Now, fun fact there, Card Walker did start in the company in the mailroom in 1938. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, but eventually he got into the story department where he was testing audiences reactions to things within the films um, with a polling system called the ARI, the Audience Research Institute. Yeah. Um, But I'm sure that brought him more visibility that uh, by 1956, Walt named him vice president of advertising and sales and helping promote films. And in 1960, he was appointed to the board of directors. Uh, And then a few years after that, just before Walt passed away, actually, Card was appointed as vice president of marketing. Um, And when, unfortunately, when Walt passed away, uh, he did get appointed as executive vice president of operations and a year later as chief operating officer. So he really moved up the ranks through a lot and had experience with a lot of different areas of the operations. You youngins out there, for those of you (laughs) starting out in something like a mail room or whatever, it it could lead to bigger things. If you're, if you put your mind to it, if you put the work in, you never know where you may end up in the company. Exactly. It's, it's who, you know, not what you know, (laughs) but as I mentioned, Don Tatum did serve as CEO and chairman of the board for five years. Uh, and in 1976, uh, Card Walker became chief executive officer, but he didn't actually get the chairman of the board position for four years. So mm. I know that in recent years, we've seen something similar within the company and thought that was, you know, very unique. Strange. No, it's not. It, it happens actually quite often where right. you want to make sure that this person is the right person yes. first before you give them all of what seemingly right. all the power. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to pause here just to, you know, kind of reflect on these two men. I mean, think about it. The company had been run for almost 50 years by two brothers. They they were the visionaries. They were making everything happen. They were intricately involved. They helped the company expand in different types of operations. And now 
there's neither brother. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the first time a non-family member is going to take on mm-hmm. the reins. Um, had to be an enormously daunting task for these two gentlemen to take on. Um, it's quite a shadow cast ahead of them. You know, right, you right. Behind, yeah. Right. And especially when, you know, so much of the um, major things seem to have already been behind them, mm-hmm. right? headed by Walt and then Roy. So Disneyland and then Walt Disney World and all the things with films, with whether you're talking animation or live action, all those big things had already happened. And so it's like, how do you follow those acts? Mm -hmm. And you're not even, you know, the visionaries that those two gentlemen were. So, um, you know, and obviously they were at risk for criticism and, you know, and people who work for the company that were, you know, so endeared to Walt and or Roy, you know, now had some, what was considered kind of like an outsider, even though these were, you know, people that worked closely with Walt and Roy, they were still kind of perceived as, as outsiders. Um, and in fact, there was in 1978, a uh, Business Week magazine had a cover story called Can Disney Still Grow on Its Founder's Dreams? Um, and, and unfortunately, there was also uh, an anonymous Disney senior executive uh, who was quoted to say Don Tatum and the other executives about Don Tatum and the other executives. He said, the company is creatively burnt out. All these guys are so square, you can't roll them down the hill. Wow. I know, I know. So, um, you know, kudos to them for, you know, still continuing to make sure Walt's legacy was continuing through development of more parks, both in Florida and over in other countries, you know, and continuing to try to strive to work on Walt's ultimate big dream of Epcot. And the other thing that, you know, that happened during their reigns is Main Street Electrical Parade. (laughs) So come on, you got to give them good kudos for that. I mean, that (laughs) that parade is still beloved by everybody. So great. So great. So everybody celebrates whenever it comes back to whether it be Disneyland or if it ever finally comes back to the Walt Disney World Resort again. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, in terms of leadership during the 70s, these two men, you know, they, they had a, a uphill climb for sure. Um, did everything go as they wanted or planned? Probably not. Um, I'm sure it didn't. Yeah. But I mean, considering with the emotional aspects that they were up against, they still managed to carry the company through um, in, in a, in a great way to continue to, to grow things. And by the way, not everything went right for Walt and Roy right, either. Exactly. We just, you know, we think back at it and think of all their successes and everything. And we're like, yeah, look how great they are. They just knocked it out of the park every time. And that is just not right, true. No, exactly. And it, you know, there's much more, you're much more under the microscope of the being, being, uh, the people that have to follow that right. greatness, uh, you know, and, and try and live up to it. It's just, it never can be easy. Right. It just can't. It's yes. impossible. Yes, yes. Um, you know, so it, I just found that all interesting as I was conceptualizing what was happening at that time. But mm-hmm. anyways, let's jump back about this other aspect of something pretty big that happened during this time. And, and it actually starts a little bit, before the 70s. So in 1969, Roy 
hired Dave Smith um, to be an archival consultant. Uh, and his main purpose is he wanted somebody to help preserve Walt's papers, his awards, and some of the memorabilia. And that's when Roy, like I said, just as a consultant, brought on Dave Smith. Um, Dave has, Smith had had a, a lot of interest, even when he was going to school with the Disney company and doing research. Um, but he really, really felt this was a great opportunity for him. So during that time, he actually developed a proposal to Roy of starting a Disney company archives. And actually, Roy agreed. There were several meetings. They were tweaking the proposal, but they eventually came to, to agreement with it. And Dave then, just just over six months later, after his consulting work was done, actually was hired to start the company archives. So uh, his first task, though, was actually to inventory everything in Walt's office. Mm -hmm. So he had a lot of photographs taken. He, you know, every little detail. And the amazing thing was Roy didn't have anything really happen in that office during the time he was in, in charge while Walt was gone. So he really wanted this to be preserved. They did preserve it, you know, rec record everything, but they put everything in storage. And it wasn't until 2015 that they bring it back out. But it stands now as, you know, kind of a real tribute to Walt and to be an inspiration to people. I mean, we've been in that room. It's amazing. It Yeah, it's just, uh, it's uh, when you walk in, you just feel the reverence. And I know we've talked about it when we talked about the tour that we went on. But, you know, it's great that that you know, Dave made sure this legacy, this part of the legacy was continuing. Yeah. I mean, because they did have to put it together again, piece by piece and reconstruct it right. with these, using these pictures. And so is everything exactly how Walt had it? Probably not exactly, but it's pretty, pretty darn close. close. Yeah. And thanks to Dave Smith for putting that together and making sure that that could happen. Um, but yeah, we've we've talked about it many times. Um, if you ever get the chance to, to tour the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, um, jump at it. Do it, especially if it includes a, a visit to Walt's office because it is something right. really, really special to do. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, the other thing when I was looking, thinking of the timing, so he got hired uh, in June of 1970. So that was when there was a, things getting ready for Walt Disney World to open. So I'm sure there was a ton of buzz. Um, they did have a Walt Disney World preview center open up the year before the park opened. So this was a great opportunity for Dave Smith to start collecting some of this memorabilia of this brand new park that was going to be opening. So great timing. Yeah. It's, it's it's great. Actually, it was long overdue to to do that. I mean, sure. I remember it's another thing you you hear about when you're on that tour is how they had all these, you know, when you're in the animation building, it, they create all these animation cells regularly, and not everything is used in the films. So they would just try them, and then they would just kind of toss them to the side. They were talking about right. the stairwell where yeah. they would just collect exactly. all these. Yep animation cells that were never used and they lost a lot of that history right. 
uh, of these great works of art done by these fantastic animators because they were just tossed down this stairwell right. or whatever it may be. So, you know, having something like this in place to keep these things around sure. forever for the future, for people to look on and remember some of these great things, um, it was, was really, really necessary. Yeah. I mean, it was just a very fortunate happenstance that, yeah. that, you know, Roy wanted something more to have in remembrance of his brother. But Dave Smith really saw the bigger picture mm-hmm. that this company had a rich history and was going to continue with that. And actually, like I said, um, you know, from a from just a simple consulting job to something that he created, uh, you know, he was a one man show for a long time. But, you know, we know now the Disney Archives is a tremendous um, department with so many things that are happening in it. And actually, it was Dave's, his vision and in, in his way of pull it, putting it together that made it you know, the, the gold standard of any company who has mm-hmm. archives now. Yeah. And then luckily you, you one, if you get to the studios, you'll get a chance to see it there, but also there are so many different opportunities where they bring little pieces of it around mm-hmm. to the parks, um, to different events through across the country. Um, of course the Walt Disney museum is also uh, right. fantastic up in the Bay area. Um, if you get a chance to, if the, if you ever hear of the archives coming somewhere near you, um, it is really special. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes. And, and there's been some things on Disney plus, but it's, it's not the same as when you're there and actually in the presence of some of these things. We held an actual Walt Disney Company Oscar. I know, I know. We've held an Oscar exactly. that was won by the Walt Disney Company yes. because we got to visit the archives. That was cool. It, it was cool for sure. Um, so if anybody is interested in, uh, I did find a copy just of the beginning part, like the first page of his proposal to Roy. If you're interested in, in being able to see that, read that, contact me and I can get that cool. to you. Yeah. There you go. So the last part that we talked of today is going to be about what was happening with the animators in the 70s. So by that time, the animator talent pool was was retiring. A lot of them were retiring. Um, nine old men. Yeah, the nine old men. Yeah. So fortunately, the Disney Studios kind of realized this and they they did start making some concerted efforts to attract new talent to the studio. Um, they thought most of the Nino men would do help with that, but many of them didn't really see themselves as the teacher type, especially at that point in their career. But there was one, uh, Eric Larson, who was so devoted to Walt. His major concern was he didn't want Walt's legacy with animation and all the, the techniques that they used to be lost. So he really did have a desire for this role. And he actually visited colleges and art schools. And he also helped spread the word that Disney was hiring animators. And he also decided to be a mentor. Now here I, I found some of the people who benefited from his mentorship. Um, see if you recognize any of these names. Brad Bird, uh, Tim Burton, Glenn Keane, John Musker, and Ron Clements. I've heard of a couple of those. Yeah. Those last three actually started with the company in the 1970s. So some pretty substantial names being hired during that decade. Now, I found this an interesting quote from Glenn Keane on how skilled Larson was when it came to pan 
calming down panicking animators. <laughs> he said, when you came in to see Larson, it was the end of the world. And he recalled, when you left, the sun was shining, the clouds had parted, and everything was possible. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, pretty Sounds nice. like my kind of positivity right I there. I know, exactly. So, you know, this, this guy, Larson, not only wanted to make sure his because of his devotion to Walt um, that things lived on as the legacy of the company, but he genuinely was a great person and you know, saw the importance of working with people and, and young people and people learning this new career. So very cool. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I was, I was surprised at in my research and disappointed, um, he was really gun ho, but in 1978, something that wasn't too positive for him happened. He was unfortunately pulled as the director of the small one film and replaced with Don Bluth. And as we've discussed in another episode, Don not only decided to depart, you know, kind of on negative terms from the company, but he also lured about 50% of the animators, you know, leaving such a shell or skeleton crew of animators there that it, it really wasn't a, a very great thing. So yeah, very much affected several movies that were in production at yes, the time. Yes. And, um, uh, there were a lot of stuff that, uh, yeah, that, that it took a while for the Disney company to recover right. from. I'm yes. sure we'll, we may hear a bit more about that in our next segment whenever we do the next part of the right, Disney at 100 right. series. Maybe so. Maybe so. But anyways, um, you know, I just want to conclude that, you know, there were some momentous challenges that the company had to face with, you know, first losing their, you know, Walt, who was the biggest visionary and then five years later, losing his brother, who, you know, did a gr tremendous job becoming a new visionary. Um, and now having to have, quote unquote, outsiders running the company, um, even though they were homegrown from within the company, they weren't the Disney name. Um, it, it still shows that there was within that company so much dedication to wanting to be the stewards of Roy, Walt and Roy and their core aspects of the business. And that's probably why uh, these things still continue to develop for decades later. Yeah, no, I agree. And that, that if you could weather the storm that was happening in the 70s and then stretched mm -hmm. into the early 80s as, as a company, um, that's that there's something to be said for that because that was... That was really, really difficult. I mean, like you mentioned already, you know, this company had been run for 50 years, half mm -hmm. of what we're talking about right. here by the two brothers, by Walt, by right. Roy, um, together. And that's, it, that's going to shake any company when, right. when that kind of creative person is creative people, the creative source, um, and the inspiration behind it, it suddenly goes missing. You know, what's going to happen? What, right. who's going to fill that void and how are they going to keep that running, you know, as closely as possible to what you, what this company had become? And right. of course, they're going to hit some bumps in the road. And they obviously did in the 70s. Um, and then we'll hear more about it in the early 80s. But yeah. they there were still great things happening despite right. this because people really cared and people loved it. And because right. both Walt and Roy had laid such a good foundation for this yes. to happen. I mean, hopefully you all are hearing each as we go through each of these decades that 
each of them had some really unique challenges. Yeah, I mean, even like you said, even when Walt was around, there were some things that, you know, difficulties, big difficulties, whether it was somebody trying to remove your licensing or, you know, uh, what, war. Right. A or world war, war. Right. You know, there was so many things that were, you know, making significant challenges to this company and its leadership team and and how they still continued to you know come through on the other side each decade they something pulled them through something or or some things and elements were still rising them to the top yeah very cool yeah uh great job michelle i did learn a ton of stuff uh through that (laughs) one Again, and uh, yeah, 70s were tough, um, mm-hmm. and so were the early 80s for the company. Right. We'll hear more about that, like I said, coming up here. But, you know, you, you, it's just like life. You, you hit those pits, but then you find those rises. Right. And I think that we're going to start to hear more about those high points again coming up here as we go even further into our Disney at 100 series. Yep, next month. Next month. So thanks, Michelle. Always does a fantastic job. (laughs) Uh, I hope you go back and listen if you haven't heard them already to some of the other Disney at 100 series episodes. Um, Really some interesting facts about this company that you may never know. There's, I'm sure there's a plenty, especially for those of you who are huge Disney fans like we are. Lots of stuff you do know. But oh, Michelle always finds those gems that are <laughs> just kind of hidden. That's like, oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. And so, thank Michelle's you. Michelle's research, always the best research. Uh, thank you, sweetie. And so, that is a look back at our Disney at 100 series, the 1970s, A Dream Realized. Another fantastic job by Michelle looking back at a very interesting time for the Disney company. Not that there is ever a a time that isn't interesting for the Disney company, but the 70s kind of gets a little lost in the known history of what happened. And so, yeah, um, I have to say it was one of the most challenging decades that I think for Disney too. Well, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, as as you heard. Right. But to find some of the details, yeah. So, very interesting stuff, Michelle. Always does the best research. Good job, Michelle. Thank you. We've got a bunch of stories for you, so let's go ahead and get to the Disney stories of the week. I'm going to start with Disneyland Paris just celebrated its 31st birthday. Happy birthday, Disneyland Paris. And we received some interesting details about what's to come for Europe's Disney Resort. Do tell. This from the Disney Parks blog. They said, what better way to celebrate Disneyland Paris' birthday than to reveal some of what's to come at the resort in 2023? There's a ton to share from the reopening of beloved refurbished attractions like It's a Small World to the launch of a new Pixar show. Yep. So if you are a Pixar fan, this summer will be your season at Disneyland Paris over at Disneyland Park. Pizzeria Bella Notte will soon welcome a new room inspired by the Disney and Pixar family, Luca. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Makes sense. You know, the kind of the Itali- Italian right. thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's perfect. And this summer, the Mexican-themed restaurant Fuente del Oro in Frontierland will also transform into Casa de Coco. Nice. Restaurante de Familia, <laughs> which features Miguel's passion for music and the love for his family. So yeah, that's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. It's great that they're getting um, some more... 
characters and sceneries that people can you know connect yeah, with the more. kids will get all be excited to you know i you know we love luca and we know right. that a lot of the kids are going to love luca as well and i mean we don't even get a start in on coco, coco i know how excited that is going to be yeah. so that's fantastic across the way at walt disney studios park toon plaza will soon be transformed into an immersive experience paying tribute to pixar films Walt Disney Imagineering has been working with Pixar artists to develop this whimsical space, including a new raised backdrop featuring Amber and Wade from the upcoming original feature film, Disney and Pixar's Elemental. Nice. Yeah, very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's really cool that mm-hmm. they're doing these changes. Mm-hmm. Love them all. But the fun doesn't stop there. As we head back over to the Walt Disney Studios Park, they revealed that all new details of the new show, Together, a Pixar musical adventure coming to the studio theater this summer. This 30-minute show blends together both French and English dialogue in an original story, spectacular scenic effects, innovative choreography, and a live eight-person orchestra will bring audience members through five scenes of fan-favorite worlds, such as Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., and more, each as creative as the next. That sounds like a wonderful show. It does. It does. It sounds really, really cool. I love that they're incorporating more of the music in the show mm-hmm. and, and with live, live orchestra, live orchestra yeah. you know, kind of like those are the things we like to go see yeah. when you're, you know, like either a live orchestra or whatever with some of the, the film clips or, or a whole film showing in the pa- in the background. So this is really cool. Uh, something more that we are, we can be looking forward to checking out. For sure. Because we're making plans to head out there in 2025. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that, I hope that's uh, still, still there. Yeah. Still, uh, Going strong there at uh, Disneyland Paris. Uh, Also, if you've been patiently waiting for the much anticipated return of It's a Small World at Disneyland Paris, well, they share that the happiest cruise that ever sailed will make its big comeback on May 5th. Very nice. nice. Yeah, special care has been taken to preserve the magic and ensure this attraction continues to shine as bright as it did on its debut in Paris over 30 years ago. Walt Disney Imagineering has worked closely with the Disneyland Paris Central and maintenance workshops to refresh more than 300 dolls, animal figurines, animated accessories, and more than 100 toys. The iconic exterior originally designed by Imagineering legends Rolly Crump and Mary Blair for Disneyland Resort in California received a shiny new coat of paint as well. So nice. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, Disneyland Paris will soon join the worldwide Disney 100 celebration at Disney Parks. An extraordinary day awaits on October 16th, 2023, which is Disney's official 100th anniversary Mm -hmm. with one-of-a-kind festivities, exclusive character encounters, unique Disney experiences. We look forward to sharing more details soon, they say, on Disney Parks blog. Yeah, all great, great fun things, you know. And one of the things that... you know, in thinking about our trip in the past, our trips in the past to Disneyland Paris is, um, you know, and I know in one in your one of your stories there, you were talking about the language component of English and French. They do a fabulous job if even if you don't speak French of of still getting across the storytelling and the incorporation of English uh, mixed in with French. It, it's just really yeah. interesting how they do that. Um, but like I said, you do not have to be bilingual there and, and you'll really appreciate the whole experience. Right. It sounds like this show is going to blend uh, French and English into the actual show. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what they've done there, at least what we've experienced in the past, is that they'll have show times for their various different shows in different languages. So you'll know if, oh, right, you're, that if, if, you're, mm-hmm. if it's German, if it's Italian, if it's English, most mostly English and French. But, you know, I mean, it's Europe there. Everything is 
fairly close together there compared to, right. um, you know, people who visit the United States or whatever. Right. So uh, it, they, they tend to get a little more of all of Europe going right. through there. So they, they tend to blend a lot more languages in and give it and make it open for everybody to enjoy those right. shows, right. Uh, no matter what language you right. speak. Right, right. Like you said, that they do have those shows designated times with specific languages right. but even within their attractions where they do incorporate mm-hmm. both french and english um or some of their other you know shows that they don't like with their fireworks or mm-hmm. now drones or whatever that they do both languages incorporated together it's just very fluid and yes great yes for sure for sure so can't wait to get back there can't Ooh. wait to experience all this new stuff that's coming to disneyland paris here in the near future now back into the u.s we have some great news about a new fun-filled event coming to the happiest place on earth that our lgbtq plus friends will find especially exciting mm-hmm. we're excited about it as well i think this is fantastic news when i saw this i was really really thrilled about it uh, again back to the disney parks blog they said during pride month in june disneyland after Dark will bring the first ever Pride Night for two unforgettable evenings at the Disneyland Resort. Very cool. Yes. Disneyland After Dark Pride Night is a separately ticketed event which celebrates the LGBTQIA plus community and allies and will be held on June 13th and 15th, 2023 inside Disneyland Park. This after hours event includes themed entertainment, Disney characters, one of a kind photo opportunities, specialty menu items, event merchandise, and more. Everything you normally expect from any of these Right. wonderful uh, ticketed events uh, it begins with a three-hour pre-party mix-in from 6 p.m to 9 p.m and then the private party runs from 9 p.m to 1 uh, a.m pacific time nice the you know the themed ticketed events at disneyland are really great really phenomenal um you do get to have you know all the fun of having the park and the attractions but you do have those special like the photo ops are amazing and you would think why would i go into the park for these photo ops but they really are pretty spectacular and special some of them are just are so popular they get long lines um you know but the fact that they do incorporate some additional things like specialty foods and you know and if you're into buying some exclusive things they do generally like they said there have some specialty merchandise things but it's just a much more celebratory experience when you go to those nighttime events. And this is going to be fabulous. This is going to be great. Um, You know, I believe if I'm not mistaken, uh, this is the first officially sanctioned LGBTQ plus uh, event that that Disney has thrown now that they sponsored. Right. Now gay days has been happening for years and years and years and years. And we love going to gay days. They're always so much fun. I mean, talk about vibrance and life when you go, they are so great. Yes. It is so much fun to go during gay days. This is going to be exciting stuff. And I'm glad Disney is finally completely behind this. Not that they've not been behind the LGBTQ community but they are completely like look we are in we're sponsoring yep this. yeah this is fantastic so here's some of the stuff they're going to have going on during that event you celebrate at the pride night cavalcade featuring mickey mouse minnie mouse clarabelle donald daisy and goofy dressed in special attire as they make their way through the heart of disneyland park down main street usa i think you can see some of that specialty attire 
and they have some concept art mm-hmm. of it on uh, the Disney Parks blog story for this. Uh, you can join Stitch at the Ohana Dance Party at Tomorrowland Terrace, where a DJ will be spinning great tunes with joyful energy at a dance party that celebrates Ohana. Family, nice. of Family. course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Pride Night Dance Club will come alive along the rivers of America, inviting everyone to dance and enjoy music under the stars. I wonder if it's going to be like 80s night where they had that band oh, yeah. on one of the uh, Tom Sawyer Island um, rafts. rafts yes. And they would just move around the rivers of America right. and, and be jamming. Oh, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be fun. I, no matter what, it's going to be a fun dance party, right. but it wouldn't surprise me if they're doing it right. like, that, like they did for when we went to the 80s night, which was a lot of fun too. Uh, kick up your heels if country's more your style. Kick up your heels at the country line dancing at the Golden Horseshoe. Nice. Yeah. Picture yourself in fun photo backdrops with inspirational messages or Disney characters and enjoy unlimited photo pass, digital photo downloads. That's right. Along right. with your mm-hmm. ticket price, all the pictures you want from right. uh, the photo pass uh, photographers are there for you. Enjoy after hours access to iconic Disneyland attractions such as Haunted Mansion, Indiana Jones Adventure, and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad with Usually shorter wait times right. there, mostly yeah. because everybody's going to be taking photos. Photo apps, that's where, apps, yeah. that's <laughs> where the lines tend to be for these things. And nibble the night away with savory snacks and sweets, especially made for the party, such as the chocolate almond churro at New Orleans Square, spiced beef potato loaded bites at the Red Rose Tavern, mm. a berry cheesecake funnel cake at Stage Door Cafe, or a grapefruit lemonade soda at Galactic Grill, just to name a few. Nice. Lots of great stuff going on there. A limited number of these Disneyland After Dark Pride Night tickets will go on uh, pre-sale for Magic Key Holders beginning on April 18th of 2023. And to the general public on April 20th, 2023, both those times will start selling those at 9 a.m. Pacific time, or at least I see no earlier than 9 a.m. Pacific time. We know sometimes there's a little bit of a delay with Disney IT. Uh, That will all be done at Disneyland.com. So um, I really, that would be a night I would love to go to. I really wish we were going to be out in Southern California near the Disneyland Resort in June of of this year to check that out because I know that that is going to be so, like it's going to be incredibly fun. Right, exactly. And it's, I mean... Talk about, you got to plan that soon now because it's this coming week now that, uh, or whenever yep. you're listening to it, maybe already, um, that those those passes, will go, tickets will go on and sale. And I think that's going to sell out fairly quickly. Oh, yeah. I really Especially do. that it's only two nights. So, yeah. um, you know, and they really do a good job of not overselling so that the crowds are really, you know, a fun um amount of people there to be yeah. able to enjoy everything yeah no it's going to be a great time i know it's going to be just uh, just a blast and yeah. um yeah i i hope you all get a chance to go out to this because it's going to be a good time yeah a good time for sure uh moving on we found out a little bit more about uh, information about tiana's bayou adventure including when your last chance to ride splash mountain at disneyland will be happening mm-hmm. again to the disney parks blog they said the magic of the bayou is calling so listen closely because they're digging a little deeper boy this is <laughs> disney parks blog corn at its best yes here's a little of what guests can expect from the future uh, when the attraction uh, comes to the Disneyland Resort and the Walt Disney World Resort. Of course, we're talking about Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Uh, the Enchantment of the Bayou will illuminate with a celebration during Mardi Gras season hosted by Princess Tiana and Prince Naveen and also 
Mama Odie will reprise her role as the catalyst to the magic you're going to nice. see within it. Yes. I like how they're unfolding a little bit of yeah. the details more and more. I mean, some of these, you know, they're, they're giving just little pieces here and there mm-hmm. of what the attractions yeah. uh, will it's, be. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mama Odie will be joking with guests along their journey after a special display of her magic. The 200-year-old Bayou Fairy Godmother with her eccentric belongings and... Seeing Eye Snake Juju is comically eccentric. If you don't know, if you don't remember the movie, right. she's great. Yet wise and all-knowing uh, throughout the adventure. And legendary actress Jennifer Lewis, who starred as the voice of Mama Odie in Walt Disney Animation Studios, The Princess and the Frog, is once again returning to her role just for this attraction. That's so sweet. That's right. Mama Odie will be joining a cast of friends familiar and new in Princess Tiana's debut attraction. And here's a sample of what you can expect from this musical adventure. Again, Mm -hmm. like Michelle said, just giving little tidbits here and there. They say a brand new cast of original Disney characters with distinct names and personalities. That's interesting. We're going to find out some new um, characters within this attraction itself. Dozens of entirely new audio animatronic figures. So that means, um, you know, I'm sure that they're going to be recycling some of the ones from Splash right. Mountain originally, but they're adding a bunch of new ones, which right. will be yeah. cool. Dozens, they say. Adorable critters with incredible talent, bringing the diverse flavors of musical gumbo found in New Orleans. Uh, new original music, new original music alongside Ooh. favorite tunes from the film. Uh, do you love beignets as much as Lewis? Well, you're in luck because the alluring scent of beignets being prepared <laughs> for the party will be part of this attraction queue. I can already, I, I can already smell it. It's going to yeah. be fantastic. <laughs> I love that. I love it when they 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 hit all the senses. Right. The exactly. Yes. And apparently, this will be in the queue. So before you even get on the attraction, yeah, you're be smelling nice. those beignets. Additional talent voices from the film reprising their roles, including Bruno Campos as Prince Naveen. Uh, Michael Leon Woolley as Lewis, Ooh. our favorite uh, trumpet blowing yep. uh, alligator. alligator. And the one and only Anika Nani Rose. I, th- I believe that's actually Disney legend Anika Nani mm-hmm. Rose uh, as Princess T- uh, Tiana. Uh, plus other familiar faces from the film, such as Eudora, Charlotte, Big Daddy, and the King and Queen of Maldonia. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, to make room for this new magic of though, Splash Mountain at Disneyland Park will be closed starting Jan- or excuse me, January, May 31st <laughs> of 2023. That means if you were looking to ride it before it closes as it is currently to mm-hmm. this day, uh, your last t- chance to experience it will be on May 30th. Know that it's closing on the 31st. Your last day to ride it is May 30th. Oh, that's going to be a very busy day at the park. <laughs> yes, especially right around there, right around Critter Country. Right, it's be yeah. Pretty packed that day. Yeah, park yeah. hopping. Everybody but, will go uh, back there. I, I'm whatever with Splash Mountain. I cannot wait for Tiana's bike. Yeah, adventure. that is going to be great. I'm going to love that attraction so much. I can tell already. Right. Yeah. I I just love the, the like you said, love it already. Just the amount of information. I mean, the uh, type of information they're sharing with makes it sound so fun. For sure. For sure. Staying at the Disneyland Resort, we now know when you'll have the chance to see the new super heroic musical that's coming to (laughs) Disney California Adventure Park. Back to the Disney Parks blog, they said, we're elated to officially announce that a real-life, all-new, short one-act musical theater production of Rogers the Musical will (laughs) burst onto the stage at the Hyperion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hyperion Theater at Disney California Adventure Park for a limited-time engagement beginning on... 
June 30th of nah. 2023. It's just a couple months away, ladies and gentlemen. Right, right. It's too bad that it's going to be a limited engagement. I mean, unless they have something really special already planned to follow that. I just but. hope it's limited to no less time than when we're there in I January know. of 2024, <laughs> because I really, I mean, like this is a must do for us on a trip. Like, it is like, it, I don't, half the stuff we're going to do at Disneyland, I don't really care about, but this is going to be like, we're heading straight. We may rope drop Rogers the musical. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, by the way, that's all happening, of course, during Disney 100 celebration at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, this production features a talented cast of singers and dancers telling the story of Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, mm-hmm. joined by Peggy Carter, Nick Fury, and select members of the Avengers. The musical will take the audience on a journey from Steve's humble beginnings during World War II to becoming Captain America, leading the Avengers and beyond. It's a classic tale of heroes, time travel, and romance, and oh, Nick Fury sings. <laughs> that I got to see. Really, really. <laughs> the show will be super powered by music, including Save the City from the Disney Plus series Hawkeye, Star Spangled Man from, of course, the film Captain America, The First Adventure. I think that's written by Alan Menken, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, I think the music for yeah, that, that, that is, sounds is written familiar. by Alan Menken. Right. Plus five new original songs written just for Rogers, the musical at the Disneyland Resort. It'll run approximately 30 minutes from, and it'll be on Tuesdays through Saturdays. So if you're planning on going on Sundays and Mondays, just know you're not running on those yeah. days. Additional details, including show dates and times, plus news about the merchandise, yes, merchandise, <laughs> and food and beverage offered offerings themed to Rogers the Musical will be shared as opening day gets closer. Wow, wow. So, fun. Yeah. Oh, I am so excited for that. Yeah. Like, as soon as... As soon as it showed up on Hawkeye, right. you know, the, the Disney Plus series we were just talking about, I was like, that is amazing. And then when <laughs> they did a little bit of it at the D23 Expo right. a couple years, I guess it was actually last it was year, last year um, even more excited for it. It totally made sense since the Hyperion Theater is right there next to Avengers Campus. Right. It's basically entrenched in that area. It's awesome. I'm so excited for it. I can't wait. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope we get to see it. I know. I do too. And maybe if we can't see it at Disneyland, I wonder if they play it on the uh, Marvel Days at Sea. Yeah. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And I mean, we, if they already have a, they're already writing music for it and everything. Yeah. It seems like for a short run, that would be a lot of. Wouldn't, it would, it would make sense. I mean, you know, the one thing they do about the Marvel days at sea is just like everything else, like pirate night, like when, when they had star Wars days at sea or whatever, they have right. a specialized show on the deck with the fireworks and everything. That's kind of the show for that right, evening. Right. I don't know if they'll include Rogers, the musical as yeah. well, but I would love it if they would. Yeah. I think it'd yeah. Be fantastic addition to Disney cruise line for sure. Um, but it totally makes sense in the Hyperion theater. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes the even more sense to for have that right there. Right. Well, in that area, it's just so close to, like you said, Avengers campus, you know? It, yeah. It's kind of incorporate how like they incorporated the uh, guardians of the galaxy. Right. Uh, there it's, just, too. it's just an extension of it. It's right there. And there has been nothing showing in that theater right. for the last couple of years yeah. since before the pandemic, uh, when they had, they used to have frozen, which I loved and I'd love to see frozen. Right. back there of course but this totally makes more yeah. sense uh, for what's in that area right now. right yeah and they've had good other uh, good ones too like they had uh, aladdin was really yeah great aladdin there. was great that used to be there as well um now you can see that on disney cruise line yeah. um but aladdin was fantastic there there's always been great shows in the hyperion theater yeah. and i think rogers the musical is going to be an, uh, another to add to that yeah, list for sure 
Uh, finally, we have the dates for Epcot's next guest favorite festival. One more time to the Disney Parks blog. They say, Calling all foodies, the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival presented by Corksicle will begin dishing up delights at Walt Disney World Resort starting on July 27th and continuing through November 18th of 2023. It's always the one that has the the, the, the festival has the longest yeah, run yes. all the way through the summer, well into the fall. Right. Um, it, you'll have plenty of chances if you're looking forward to getting to this festival for sure. Yes. And I, and I like how they've over the last couple of years have had some, um, where they switch out some of the menu items too. So it's not, that if you go multiple times that you won't get to try something different at a future date. Yeah, especially for us locals that will get right. out there a few times during this run, that's for sure. Uh, they say, um, get ready to sip and savor at more than 25 global marketplaces throughout Epcot, including returning favorites such as, this was one that I was like, yes, the Fry Basket is returning. <laughs> yes. I'm excited. I loved the Fry Basket when we went last oh, year. God, that was yes, our, that I think was, that was our favorite spot. Right. Uh, flavors from Fire. Canada, India, and Spain. Several new global marketplaces will open later during the festival as summer turns to fall, like Michelle right. was alluding to already. The fun doesn't stop with the food, however. It extends to exciting activities for the whole and family to enjoy. Fans of fromage can take part <laughs> in, of course, Emile's fromage montage. It's taken place for <laughs> yeah, the last several years. It's a fun way to try tasty cheese dishes from around the world. Grab your festival passport and purchase any five cheese dishes listed in the back of the festival passport to collect a stamp. Once you've collected five stamps, head to Shimmering Sips hosted by Corksicle to redeem a for a sweet treat unique to the festival. So nice. Yeah. And you can, as we've done in the past, you can get five different cheese dishes right. or five of the same cheese dishes. Right, it doesn't right. matter. It's something you particularly just, like. Just right. be sure and get those stamps. Uh, families can embark on Remy's Ratatouille hide and squeak, <laughs> a Ratatouille inspired adventure that is Très magnifique. <laughs> Guests of all ages can search for Remy throughout World Showcase and the global marketplaces. And to celebrate the Halloween season, so this will be much later in the mm -hmm. year, your gorgeous, gourd, yes, <laughs> boy, Disney Parks blog, gorgeous <laughs> group. They're worse than me with the puns. Yeah. And group uh, can partake in Pluto's Pumpkin Pursuit, a special pumpkin scavenger hunt that will go on from September 29th through Halloween, October 31st. The festival will also welcome back the popular Eat to the Beat concert series presented by Florida Blue Medicare at America Gardens Theater. Stay tuned to Disney Parks Blog for more details and this show. Stay tuned to our show. Forget Disney Parks Blog because <laughs> we apparently just go to the Disney Parks Blog anyway. Stay tuned to our show for more details about this year's lineup. Of course, if you uh, subscribe to our newsletter, we get things from other sources as well. But Not reliable. Me. But Not reliable me. ones. Yes, of course, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle does such a better job than I do no, on anything we do. No, Everything. Not even. Anything we do. For sure. <laughs> Sure. Speaking sweet. of that, that's it for the Disney stories of the week, but we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, because she's awesome, <laughs> we always go to Michelle first because she just heard it a little bit ago. She has the best research. She does the best job with all things Hyperion Adventures podcast, <laughs> including the newsletter. And she definitely has the very best tips. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week. Oh, you're sweet. Well, I actually have like a, a 1A and B this week. Wow. Um, yeah. It's I, like a Hyperion <laughs> Adventures podcast list. Uh, yeah, really. Which Michelle also has the best of. 
<laughs> You're funny. Um, I, so I had a, an original plan, but I wanted to throw in a little something based on our experience of this week. So my original one has to do with uh, Disney Cruise Line. And, and I've kind of mentioned this before, but it kind of came to surface again recently with some some uh, some dear friends of ours. If you ha- if you're traveling on a Disney cruise and you have teens, um, whether they're ones that can get into the groups, you know, up to 17 years old or the ones that for the 18 to 21, really support and encourage them to go to the very early get togethers of those age groups, because that's where they do a lot of the meet and greets and get people, you know, um, feeling comfortable and knowledgeable about each other's names so that the rest of the the crews can build from that. Um, You know, knowing somebody who that didn't happen and, uh, you know, there was obviously great reasons why it didn't. But um, then when their, their teen went to go to one of these events felt actually, since they weren't feeling part of the group, discouraged to go to any more. So. Yeah, it can be a little difficult. I mean, they have already, you know, connected you know, right. a few times, these people, these these teens, and, and they've gotten together and they've, they've kind of gotten to know one another. Right, so right. trying to kind of find them, I mean, and not that they're not welcoming there, but just to try and find that inroad sometimes to those groups could be a little trickier when right. you weren't there, when everybody was new. When right, everybody exactly, didn't know everybody. exactly. Especially if you're going on a longer, like five or seven day or more cruise, you know, it can just make it a lot more easier to, to I mean, be it's able true to... true of everybody in right. life, not just yes. teens. It right. could be true of us. You right, know, we, that's we, true. You know, we're getting to know everybody for early on in any group is easier yes. than it is to try and kind of break into that. Exactly. For sure. So that was my original one. Um, my, my secondary one based on our experience this week was um, having to go search these dessert parties. And I don't know if it was a temporary glitch that day or whatever um but I, what, disney it had a glitch <laughs> never happens maybe it was user error who knows but when i was whether i was using the app or actually even going to their um their website and looking at the dessert parties on a day-by-day basis to try to see if something was available you know for the future it it kept telling it kept looking like something was available but if you tried to book it it wouldn't let it, then it said it wasn't available. But when I went into search dessert parties where I could put a range of dates, then it worked. And that was the same experience the reservation cast member was experiencing. When they were doing day by day, they couldn't find availability to switch our reservation. But when I said, go, you know, do the the search where you can do a range and and for if you're on their website to do this you actually go to the dessert party you know do a search for dessert parties do the check availability and then they that allows you to do a date range and that is where it shows and then you can book them yep yeah that's what worked for us uh, so if you're having any issues like we did um give that a shot and see if it works yeah out for you. I, yeah i think the takeaway is if something doesn't work try a different way see if you can find something that that does work yep. it may not but you know just in case yeah and we've had to do that a lot of times with disney technology <laughs> we've had to find different ways around things for whatever reason um but it, it, we, we we know that and we go into it and we do that yeah and, and we've right. always we've almost always got it to work for us right so just right. just in a roundabout way exactly a lot of times sometimes it works perfectly and there's several times we've had to do different things to find it. <laughs> so let's hear your Michelle's tip for the tips. week 
the best <laughs> tips. Uh, my tip this week is like, well, if you, you know, if you ever wanted to go out and go to Fort Wilderness and you see people camping there and you think, you know, that's kind of cool. I'd mm-hmm. like to camp out of Fort Wilderness sometime on my Walt Disney World vacation. But you know what? I don't want to take a big old tent mm-hmm. or anything with me on the airplane to go in right. there. I don't want to have to bring all that stuff with me. I don't want to have to bring my own cot. You know, right. I don't want to sleep on the ground or whatever. Well, I, there's some good news for you. And that is you can actually rent tents and cots right there at Fort Wilderness Campgrounds. Now, they are in limited supply. So know that going in. So you probably will want to call the Disney Resort Hotel Reservations line first just to make sure they have availability and then reserve them for you if you're planning to do something like this. Because the last thing you want to do is get all the way down there. You've got your campsite reserved and everything. You show up and then you don't have anything to sleep on. (laughs) You're sleeping on the ground out there. Or you have to quickly find a place to rent from. With no cover. And, you know, yeah, you don't want to go through that. So be sure you have that in mind and and reserved ahead of time. But you can do that. And so um, that might be fun. You know, I've always looked at the camping there and I'm not a camping person per se we like the cabins when we stay at fort wilderness an rv looks cool you know i might do you know we we ever had you know invest in an rv we might go park (laughs) one of those there i'm not the camping type but i know a lot of people love it out there especially during the holiday season when you can get all the lights and deck out yeah yeah really fun it's always fun and speaking from experience i've actually gone tent but with a pop tent and sleeping bags but that was it was a blast um had a trailer at one time that we vacation with there you know and like you said the cabins it's amazingly fun there Mm -hmm. it really is it's you know it's it yes camping in a tent is not you know comfort or anything like that but they do have a lot of conveniences there um to make it you know, still very, very fun, but still feel outdoorsy if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. And let's face it, you know, running a, a campsite there is a lot cheaper than some of the resorts. Right. I mean, obviously, you don't have those amenities and everything, but I mean, they do a pretty good job of taking care of you out there. Um, if you're, if you're, you know, as far as, you know, showers and right. bathroom yeah. facilities and yeah. everything else. They're and, really nice, actually. Yeah. 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 So um, you, you may want to give it a shot sometime and, and see mm-hmm. the, the, you know, and if nothing else, just, just go to Fort Wilderness because it's cool. It's a cool area that not enough people go and check out at the Walt Disney World Resort. I right, don't feel. right. And there's fun things to do there, whether you're staying there or not, like, you know, you can rent a kayak or a canoe and, you know, just a lot of fun things to, you know, walk around and see and do. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. So that's it for this week's show. Next week, well, as we had already planned for this week's show, <laughs> we are actually making that visit to the Walt Disney World Resort for a piece of the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. And we're also hoping, even though we don't have the dessert party package anymore, to catch a little bit of Happily Ever right. After as well. And we'll be telling you all about whatever we experience while yes. we're out there during that uh, couple day stay. Exactly. It's going to hopefully be bringing you back some great information to help you for your next trip. That's for sure. For sure. So as for today's show, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... 
please sign up for the uh, newsletter. We'd love for you to get our weekly only newsletter and we don't share that uh, email address with anybody. Nope, just to get the newsletter out and Michelle does a fantastic job with the newsletter. <laughs> so much better than I ever did when I was in charge of the newsletter. You can tell. Even if you used to get it and you stopped getting it for whatever reason, you should just get it for a little bit again just so you can see <laughs> how good a job Michelle has done with it. I don't know about does, that. But we do try to give you some additional news stories that, that come up and some other things that could help you with your Disney fun. All things that I never did. Like Michelle, <laughs> so much You're better funny. at this stuff than me. Uh, also, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. You can find us there at Hyperion Adventures Podcast, or just do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd love to help our podcast in any way, there are several. Some are monetary, some are free. For free, if you just want to tell a friend or family member about our podcast or do a review, five-star rating would be really wonderful. Um, otherwise, you could also either uh, go on to our Spreadshirt shop and get some swag there. That always helps us out, as well as uh, considering being coming a Patreon. Yep. For sure. All great ways to support the show. But you know what? You're supporting the show just for list, just right. by listening every week or just this once or every once in a while. Whatever you do, we just appreciate you and want to thank you so very much for, you know, just checking out the show occasionally. Exactly. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Bye.